are back with episode five of Raise Your Glass, a podcast celebrating the best local food and beverage culture Kansas City has to offer. Today, we raise a glass to Tomstown Distilling Company. We sat down with Steve Rivera, one of the founders of Tomstown Distilling. If you're like me and love a good drink and Kansas City history, this episode is for you. We learn how Tomstown was inspired by Kansas City's past, what Steve's most memorable drink is, and what it's like having a business on the Casey Streetcar line. So we're sitting here at uh, Tomstown, which is in downtown Kansas City, and we're with Steve Rivera. Hi. Hi, Steve. (laughs) Thanks for joining us today. It's an absolute pleasure. Great. So we've we've got a couple questions for you today, and uh, just for those listening, uh, Tomstown was one of our first partners uh, when we started our barn restaurant recycling program, and so uh, we're very grateful for their partnership and their willingness to recycle. Yeah, we were so excited to have the opportunity because, I mean, it felt we go through a ton of glass here, so we have to bottle everything that we serve here, so it seems kind of silly. You put it in a bottle and we immediately pour it out in a cocktail for our stuff that's here, but then, of course, everything we ship out has to go out in glass. Um, and there's no substitute for glass when you're packaging spirits. I mean, it has to be, um, for ours, it has to be a higher-end look and feel to the product, so it has to be glass. Um, and so we were real excited that, that you guys were launching this from a corporate standpoint because uh, it means a lot to us to not have it just go back into a landfill or be litter or, mm-hmm. you know, be broken on the street somewhere. So we're, we're proud to be partnering with you guys. We're excited yeah. to, to be doing it. Thank you. And, and we appreciate it. You know, the thing that I love the most, I think there's a lot of beauty in, in the program because, you know, there's Kansas City makers like you. Um, we're recycling the glass, and then it's actually turned into new products here in Kansas City. So it's all a Kansas City thing, which that's, is great. That's fantastic. I mean, even from a personal perspective, when you guys launched uh, uh, the, the the big um, bins that you collect in parking lots and stuff, I mean, there's one two blocks from my house. It's convenient. It's easy. Mm-hmm. There's no reason not to do it. So right. uh, I feel good about doing it that way, and we feel good from, from Tomstown's perspective. Great. Yeah, we really appreciate that's it. That's great. So. Um, I'd like to learn a little bit more about how you got Tomstown started. So sure. can you go over um, how you and David, your partner, met and and sure. your thought process on, on getting this going? So uh, David and I grew up two blocks from each other in uh, scenic Prairie Village, Kansas. And uh, we went to elementary school together, became friends really in fourth grade. Um, and uh, and so since then, we've always done stuff together. And we had a business um back in the early uh, mid-90s called uh, Blair Lake, which was a digital ad agency. So we were one of the first um, website makers in Kansas City. So we did um, Sprint and Lee Jeans and American Century and all these companies' websites. And uh, and we ended up selling that company in 2000. We had a couple other things that we did together. And he ended up going to New York and running a part of our business there before we sold it. Um, and then uh, and then he went to work for NBC. I stayed in Kansas City, did some consulting and things like that. Um, but through it all, we never stopped drinking, is what I like to say. And so <laughs> that was uh, <laughs> the tie that, that bound That's you right. together. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, and so uh, you know, we had this um, interesting um, history in Kansas City from Prohibition, and we felt like that story really wasn't mm-hmm. being told, and it was in danger of kind of fading away. Um, there was so much, and I think part of that reason that it was fading away is because there was so much shame for the city's sort of bad reputation. Now it feels like people are recognizing that you know maybe 
the depression was lessened because of Pendergast, the money he was bringing in from outside. There were maybe more jobs here because of him. Um, and also, I mean, it gets kind of a fun reputation when it's called the Paris of the Plains. And um, there, there's a um, there's a clipping from the St. Louis newspaper from Prohibition, and it shows it talks about all the um, it says something like tawdry nightclubs and gambling and uh, bars and and all this stuff and and clubs and and all these things. And then at, you know it, it ends up looking like it's supposed to be a a you know expose on what was going on here, but it ends up looking like a travel brochure. Because it sounds like that sounds like kind of fun, a place to go. <laughs> so it really ended up like an ad for Kansas City. Um, but I, I think we were really that story spoke to us, um, and we decided you know maybe Tomstown is the name for the place. We agonized over this a lot, uh, but when it when we came up with that name, it was perfect. And I I told my mom I said, you know we should we're going to call it Tomstown, and she goes, uh, oh uh, because of your connection to the Pendergast story, and I said, huh. I'd forgotten well, yeah. that my uncle actually, and, we, and she went over to the bookshelf and handed me the uh, Missouri Waltz, which was written by Morris Milligan, who was my um, like great great uncle. So we shared a no grandmother or something like that. Yeah, and so he was the U.S. attorney that FDR appointed to come in and really clean up mm-hmm. Kansas City. Yeah. And he and he took that to mean bring Pendergast down. Right. Um, and Pendergast's power had waned because his power was all built on delivering votes. Sure. For national candidates and local, mm-hmm. um, so the machine, yeah. the, machine, the Pentagast yes. machine, could create votes, mm-hmm. and sometimes ninety-eight percent of the vote. Uh, so you don't know how much of it was valid and how much they sure. just got rid of it or intimidated people into not voting. Um, interesting parallels to what people talk about now. And so, um, uh, but that was fascinating to find that out. And then, in, in the course of researching um, this, uh, David's grandfather was around during during Prohibition. And we were looking through the newspapers. We had this guy working with us doing some research. And he finds an ad for David's uncle's company on the sports page and entertainment pages for malt, uh, which was basically a way for you to make your own liquor. Mm-hmm. Or, or it was just a sure. subterfuge for selling and bootlegging, selling him liquor. Right. And um, it was called uh, Rickenbacker Malt, I believe, was the story that came from David. And um, so he figured out that his grandfather was a bootlegger, but he was on the opposite side of Pendergast and, the, and his political party. So there were the goats and the rabbits for the two political parties or divisions of the Democratic Party in Jackson County. Uh, Pendergast was ahead of the goats, and there was another guy, uh, Joe Shannon, who was in charge of the rabbits. And the... Um, Basically, what Pendergast wanted to do is he, did, if he disagreed with you or had competing business interests, he would just destroy you economically. He wouldn't kill you. So everyone talks about all the bodies buried in the concrete, and that's not kind of his way. He had there were some that, of that stuff that he had, you know, his minions do, but um, his way was really put you out of business and just make sure take all the business for himself. Um, he knew eventually that stuff would catch up with him, and a lot of it did. Election violence was a big part of why. Morris Milligan came in and took him took him out. Right. But so Kansas City was known as Tom's Town, mm-hmm. and it was jazz and it was um, free flowing liquor, mm-hmm. no convictions for violating prohibition, not one. Uh, that was the only city where that happened in the whole country. So um, we we, uh, we said this is. I mean, it made a lot of sense. And once we started discovering those family ties, uh, we're like, hey, I think we're on the right track here. Right. <laughs> well, I think you can get you can get tripped up with. Um, 
what Pendergast did and, you know, the negative repercussions. Right. But in a lot of ways, you know, that's a rich part of our history, and it's a rich part of what we are now. Exactly. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's a double-edged sword there, but I like that you all are playing off the good Well, there's it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and it's a mixed bag. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. not going to sure. sugarcoat him. Right, sure. Uh, and don't, he doesn't need to be. However, um, you know, also, I have the story, and I've ever recorded, uh, which I'll get at some point, a videotape, of my wife's grandfather, who literally went down to this office, uh, Pendergast's office, knew a guy who got him in to see him, and he he got him a job in the middle of the depression, got him mm-hmm. a job at the uh, Ford plant, and passed a note from Pendergast through the gate, opened the gate open, and there were wow. you know 500 guys mm-hmm. sitting in the park across the street waiting for a job. They all perk up when they hear the gate open. And they let him right in, and mm-hmm. he worked and had that job. And the Pendergast told him, you know, I'll give you the job, but it's your job to keep it. Right. And um, and so it was really fascinating that he and so his he was able to support his family, his extended family. He had a, a brother who um, had epileptic seizures, so was couldn't go to school, couldn't be employed. Um, his parents, uh, his wife's in-laws. I mean, they had the whole the whole gang was living under one roof, and he was the sole breadwinner. And Pendergast got him that job, and he said it was the toughest job he ever had. And uh, so, so that's you know, I mean, you can say what you will, and and you know, he probably got that job over other people who probably were more qualified, <laughs> right? And, or had done it before. He probably kicked somebody out for that job. Who knows? Yeah. But um, it, it, but it points to the economic power. Yeah, Pendergast had. You know, it, it, yeah, whenever you hear somebody a story that somebody's completely evil or, or completely good, you know, you're not getting the whole story. Absolutely yeah. not. It's all shades of gray. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you like <to> say. <laughs> exactly. And that, that sure. makes it fun. And and when yeah. we're out, so I, I was in. Um, I was in Nashville um, talking about our product, and they say, you know, oh, is your name Tom? It's like, no, we have to say that all the time, and usually at the end of the day, someone still calls me Tom, but <laughs> but uh, we say, no, in Pendergast, and you start with just a little bit. There was no prohibition in Kansas City because they, of this political boss. Oh, that's interesting. And then they taste it. It's like, oh, that's really good, or, and then it moves to it's a little more of the story. Right. And so you can tell it a little bit at a time, and that drove some of the redesign was it really needed to be Tomstown Botanical Gin. Mm-hmm. The other names in there were great history names mm-hmm. uh, that we had before, but but it was too much story to tell somebody who wasn't sure. from Kansas City. Sure, uh, that makes a good point. So, so as, as you all expand distribution, yeah. that was part of the strategic move there. It was, and we felt like, I mean, even here in Kansas City, some t- uh, we'd go into a, a bar, and this was, you know, we did this to ourselves, but you'd go into a bar and say, do you have Tomstown Gin? No, but I have McElroy's. You ought to try uh, it. It's really good. Okay. It's like, ugh. So, you know, that was yeah. our... That, we it's did that. Yeah, it was just a branding point. issue. Sure. So we, we straightened it out now, and we really feel like the packaging matches the quality of the stuff that's inside. Absolutely. It looks yeah. great. And yeah, I think, thanks. you know, the one thing I took away, I did... Um, I was here for an event a couple months oh, ago yeah. on the second floor, and they uh-huh. gave kind of an, o- an overview, much like you just did, about the origins, the roots yeah. of the name, and everything. The thing that I took away, and I think, you know, as you expand nationally, it's easy to remember that when... Prohibition happened. Kansas City was hopping still. Yeah, you know, right. But I like that a lot. But I think I really like that tie that this is a Kansas City brand, and here's you know, the yeah. So, of it. so in 2016 when we started, so it's just been uh, it's, we're coming up on our third anniversary. Um, the streetcar was reintroduced. Mm-hmm. And that was during Pendergast time. Um, Pendergast was also you know the Monarchs were were um, winning the the New Leagues World Series around that time. 
um, and the down to and the music scene. Mm-hmm. Those three things were sort of also mm-hmm. still having a resurgence again. Sure. So why not have uh, some booze tied to Pendergast to celebrate all these things with? Yeah. Uh, so it kind of made sense for Kansas City's kind of current renaissance to, to bring back some of the Pendergast story. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. It's a great story. And you tell it, as I was saying, and when I was in Nashville telling the story, they, they're like incredulous. It's, even though they never heard of the guy, it's like, that's fascinating. It, it really is. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you really tell is. people from Chicago about it, and they're like, well, they had Al Capone. And it's like, well, he wasn't quite like Al Capone. The more traditional. It's a little different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He mobster. wasn't really 100% mobster sort of thug. Um, you, you know, he had some yeah. complexity. Right, true. It always makes it more interesting. <laughs> it really, it truly does. So um, your tagline is, the people are thirsty. Yeah. Can you fill me in on how you came up with that? Yeah, so Tom uh, Pendergast, um, for the last two years of his life, not, not right before his death, but for the last two years of his life, he's in um, prison. And a reporter comes in to ask him, he said, what made you think you could do all these things that you could just ignore prohibition and have all these 250 speakeasies downtown? Um, and, uh, and he said, he just shrugged, and he's like, yeah, the people are thirsty. Uh, and so he said, boom, that's a tagline. It makes complete sense. It's beautiful. Uh, it really <laughs> is. So we were able it to put is. that on the back of the bottle, too, which is kind of fun. Oh, I love that. There. That's super the cool. But, the, you know, we want to, you know, part of the... Um, Part of the design comes from, so one of the things when Pendergast would um, write these notes, like like my um, wife's grandfather got to get his job, um, it would de- it wouldn't depend on what the note said. Mm-hmm. It would depend on what color ink it was written in. So mm-hmm. if it was written in red, it meant you know do as it says. Mm-hmm. If it was uh, blue, it meant investigate this person further. If it was black. It meant don't do what it says on here. So ah. then the person who gets it says, oh, what a great guy. Well, I guess it just didn't work out or they didn't have a job for me mm-hmm. if it was in black. Um, but so those sort of codes and those sort of um, uh, like like having a password to get into a speakeasy, those sort of little um, codes and puzzles, we like to put little hints of those in oh. the label. So um, this one has the boss club, so it's stuff like that. But, you know, it's a little simple, but there's also... The goats and the rabbits are on here. Mm-hmm. Um, on the vodka bottle, there's a, a riverboat, you know, that, that just relates back to some of the history of Kansas City. And so we put these little um, hints, and some of the architectural elements of mm-hmm. Kansas City are in here um, uh, that we put in there for people to just sort of Easter eggs that they can find and things like that. Yeah. So to kind of in keeping with that process and, and idea of these codes and puzzles and things like that. Yeah, that's it's very that's cool. Fun. And even the shape of the bottle yeah. is right for the era, you know. So, so yeah, we, um, it is cool. I appreciate you saying that because we, we worked hard to get it yeah, to, I, I to bet. that point. Yeah. And, and one of the, design. yeah, it mm-hmm. is. And it's a custom bottle. We had it made at a, yeah. at a factory down in Mexico. I got to go down to Mexico Very city cool. to see it made yeah. and all that. And seeing glass, um, how they make it was amazing. Uh, it's, it's fascinating, cool. and it's so simple. Yeah, you know, it's still a very rudimentary process. Right, in a lot of ways. I've only I've been in two um, container glass uh-huh. manufacturing plants, making very different things. But I was fascinated by how archaic it seemed. Almost, I don't know how advanced you're, the one you were in. Well, was, so they had so we go into the factory, and they have they have they have kind of three divisions of the ones mm-hmm. we went into. It's called Pavisa glass. Okay, so one of them. The first thing they showed us was their crystal, where they make the crystal stuff. And they were making these, I think, bottles for Eagle Rare. Mm-hmm. So they had this bottle. The top was cut off it, so it was just like a big, tall cup. Mm-hmm. And they were placing a crystal eagle 
inside the bottle. And so they had this process oh, down. You know, they could make maybe f- five in a minute. Yeah. You know, and they would they would put it in, do, and then they would he would get more glass and finish mm-hmm. the top, and and I mean it was just stunning to watch the craftsmanship of that. So then we went the other extreme. It was all automated. So there's a big factory and it's just churning out Patron bottles. Okay. Sure. One after another. Yeah. And then we went to ours, which was semi-automatic. So it's human and right. uh, and the machine. So yeah. the 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 machine, all the machine really did was put the the I don't know what you call it, but it goes into the where the the furnace. Gets the glass, the mold glass out. Yeah, yeah the glob. And then puts it in an early, and then it, then the guy puts the mold around it, um, just to sort of get the basic shape, and then mm-hmm. it goes to another mold to blow air in to, to right. finish it. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating to watch that because it was there were two people. That's all they were doing. So, you know, boom, 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 bottle. And unlike the Patron one, where it was one guy's running it and a million are coming off the line at once. It was cool. It was neat to see. Yeah. Well, the the shape is very distinct, and I can imagine it was hard to get someone to produce it for you it was it's not standard well it just took a while to um, find somebody it, there, yeah. there's a few companies several in the u.s but not one that really fit what we needed right. exactly sure. so um and so it was neat going down there and seeing the people meeting the people who make it and, and they just there's so much pride in what they do and mm-hmm. and and we you know we couldn't be happier with how it turned out yeah no it's gorgeous that's fun and the other thing so Ultimately, we'd rather, you know, you don't want the, the bottle to end up in a landfill, so right. Ripple helps that. But our other hope is that there'll be people, at restaurants maybe, who take the label off and use this mm-hmm. as their water bottle. Absolutely. You know, if they can. And that, that goes to reduce, reuse, recycle. Yeah. If you have another use for it that's not Great. recycling, you should do that first. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. And that's completely fine. And we, we have actually people comment, you know, um, well, I'm sorry I didn't give it give you guys that glass but i did this with it and you're like, that's what you're supposed to do <laughs> so keep it up exactly but, yep, we totally yeah. fit in that fit in that in, in that, that life cycle. absolutely yes, and absolutely. That, that's ideal when you can find other use for it and, absolutely and it's really cool we're we're excited about it good good so um we're sitting here in your office in the crossroads mm-hmm. um you guys were here i don't want to say early but on the early side of a lot of this renovation that's happening. Yeah, right. So uh, what made you want to open your distillery here? Um, you know, we weren't, we weren't the first distillery by any means to open in the, in the Kansas City area. Mm-hmm. Um, Union Horse really was the first mm-hmm. in the metro to, to start. Uh, and so we felt like, you know, we wanted to be right in the middle of everything and be right. And the streetcar line helped being here, too. And we were like, I want to be, uh, we want to be in the thick of everything. And we, we had to be in downtown Kansas City because of the story. Um, it's nice to be close to the to where Pendergast's office was down the street. And um, we really felt like the Crossroads was a perfect place for our, 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 our not only the, the tasting room, but the distillery. Because this was a manufacturing area back then. And we literally do the distilling here for the gin and the vodka. Um, and... Uh, we, we also, the bourbon, we're, we're making uh, other whiskeys, brown spirits that are coming out later. Um, and we've made some for the machine releases. But the, um, uh, the gin and the vodka are made here, and the bourbon is blended and, and um, aged in port barrels here. Okay. Um, we have a warehouse a half a mile away over um, on Cherry. And that's got all our big storage barrels and, and all that stuff. So this is this is um, still very much an active production area, sure. um, just not a big storage area. The real estate's a little expensive to be storing barrels here. <laughs> that is absolutely the truth. <laughs> I will say that. 
So one thing, I'm I'm a little bit fascinated with the streetcar. Yeah. I uh, have been, and, you know, it's been, by all counts, a smash success. Absolutely. So, you know, it's gotten double the ridership that they expected in the first, you know, year. Yep. How has that been being on, actually on the streetcar line for you all? We had we had a couple um, come in, and I just happened to be here that night, and I was talking to them, and they, you know, it was a Friday night. I said, they said, we're in town for a wedding tomorrow. And they, they were staying at Crown Center, and they mm-hmm. said, well, let's just get on the streetcar and see. And they right. saw our sign on the south side of the building that says, people are thirsty. Mm-hmm. She had time to Google it from when she saw that yeah. to the next stop. <laughs> Stopped, got out, came back. They were here for two hours and, and bought a couple of bottles and did a tour and all this stuff. Had never heard of us before. Mm-hmm. They were from out of town. And um, that is just awesome. So I, I don't think, I mean, obviously, that wouldn't have happened if we were n- mm-hmm. not on the streetcar line. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think and that's just one I happen to hear about. I'm sure there are others. Right. So the streetcar has been huge for tourism. And our we're, we're now on the we're, we're ranked on the top ten things to do in Kansas City on TripAdvisor. No not, kidding. Yeah, not just distilleries or bars or restaurants. Top ten things to do. And that's excellent. And I think a lot of that has to do with the streetcar and being in the crossroads. And um, we get just get a ton ton of tourists in there, and that helps us. And these other markets that we're going to, you know, people from Denver now have heard of us when we start selling mm-hmm. in Denver um, and Oklahoma and mm-hmm. Illinois, Chicago and all that stuff. So people, it builds on itself. And then mm-hmm. it also, other people who haven't been or are traveling to Kansas City say, you know, I have, I've had that. I want to, I want to see where, mm-hmm. meet the people who make it. And so that helps too. So tying it so closely with Kansas City history has made it a destination and a unique thing that you can only do in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. You know, right. you can tour distilleries anywhere. You can't get one that has this sort of tie to Kansas City's history. Sure, I think, yeah, that all it all makes good sense. I know we had um, Ripple helped host a bunch of folks from the glass recycling industry last week. Oh yeah, and um, I I was working with the organizer, and I was like, we need to plan this all along the streetcar line, you know. <laughs> oh great, dinner at Anton's, and then we can stop here, and then we can, you know, yeah, and, and it made it very very easy, and I think oh, yeah. there's a lot of benefit to that Definitely. being right on the line, and yeah, yeah, and you know. It's nothing but good for us if they extend it down, you know, uh, oh, farther to, to south the neighborhoods. And, and someday yeah. north. And, um, you yeah, know, it'd be great. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be, I think it's a, it's expensive for what it is. I know that. And it's, and, and not everybody on the line likes to pay for it. Not sure. everybody on the line gets to benefit from it. Right. Um, but you can't argue that it's not been good for the city. It's been good for everybody, uh, the, all the retail and, and, and restaurants. Absolutely. And on the yeah. line. You can't, it's a, it has been great. So can you tell us about uh, your machine releases? Absolutely. Um, so when you have, um, so distillers are creative people. And um, when, when you're making, um, we have our three main spirits, the gin, the vodka, and the bourbon. And when, when all you're doing is churning out those same products all the time, it becomes really a factory job. Sure. So you, that's hard to put a creative person in that role where all they're doing is cranking out, you know, the machinery mm-hmm. stuff. So what we what we decided to do was come up with um, a release, periodic release of products that our distillers have done as a creative collaboration with a, another company in town or uh, just something that they've come up and they always wanted to try. It also helps us with the tasting room to make the tasting room becomes a lab for products you know what do you think of this do you like this and so our our um, barrel gin was the very first machine release that we did and it got such a good reaction we decided to release it as a full product 
Um, and it's a you know it's not the um, not, most people as a consumer don't know what to do with a barrel gin. They don't know um, what drinks to make with it. Um, and so we get it out to the bars first, and then everybody else is making. So like uh, Brewery Imperial had an old fashioned uh, instead of bourbon, they put our barrel gin in it, which is a great drink. Um, and so the other machine releases have been collaborations with breweries in town. Um, and we've got some cool ones coming up that we're gonna we're gonna come out with. One of them was um, Garden Party Gin, and it was a gin that was just made with botanicals from um, from the uh, botanical gardens in uh, oh shoot now I forgot the name. Uh, what's the one in least not near Lee Summit? Um, uh, Palgardens. Yes. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Cool. Uh, so it, Garden Party Gin was a collaboration with them with uh, um, Pell Gardens, and it's just botanicals from Pell Gardens. So That's it was really fun. amazing, and it turned yeah. out it was like everyone's like, "Oh my god, this is really good." So it's like, you, and it's like, "Oh well, now all the stuff's out of season. We can't make any more of it." <laughs> so um, we've sourced a couple things from other places. We're also going back to harvest more there, freeze drying some of it so that those botanicals can be reused and we can make more of it. Uh, so that's one that might come out down the line. Um, but we've done whiskeys. We did a malt whiskey. We um, uh, have some other collaborations with some some larger breweries around the country that we're going to be doing that will be coming out soon um, that I can't talk about just yet, but will be very fun when we do. Cool. Um, so the machine series basically is a way for our distillers to express their creativity, do something that challenges them intellectually and and uh, and gets their palates excited for something new. Uh, and then we so we do and then we do a launch party. So if you subscribe to our newsletter, which you can do on our website. Um, you can get notification of when those events happen. They happen about three times a year. We're having one coming up in a couple of weeks um, for a uh, um, a whiskey that has ginger. It's a ginger snap, is what I think they called it, um, which has some interesting flavors in it. So, yeah, we will have to secure a bottle of that for our. <laughs> Uh, bar and restaurant manager Pearson. Oh yeah, who your folks have worked with. Right, he loves a good whiskey ginger. <laughs> that's oh, his good. drink. So, okay, good. Yeah. We might have something. Cool that there. is totally his <laughs> drink. So that's funny. Um, I'm going to food because food's kind of my deal. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> so one thing that I, um, when I first came here last year, I was shocked by how incredible the food is. Yeah. Uh, it's really fantastic and a unique menu, but also um, it's got something for everybody. I think yeah. you know. So I mean, I think it would please a lot of palates. But every 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 single item on it is creative or unique in some way. So, can you talk about how that menu development came around? Sure. Well, um, Curtis, our, our chef now, is is incredible. He's uh, experiments and he does a lot of interesting things. Um, the original concept of the menu was created by Tim Tui. Tim ended up bringing Curtis on uh, after his. He does Casey Canning Company. Are you familiar with sure, that? Sure. Yes. Um, and they uh, he he came in and did our first menu. Mm-hmm. And like uh, one of my favorite items is the grilled cheese. Mm-hmm. So he, he, French onion and grilled cheese. So he lo- was looking at menus from the 20s and 30s in Kansas City, and French onion soup for some reason. Was big. I, I guess it was sort of exotic and yes. and um, fancy. Yeah, it was <laughs> very fancy. Cheese and a soup. <laughs> Who would have heard of such a thing? And so he wanted to make something similar to that, but he didn't necessarily want to make a French onion soup. So he made French onion grilled cheese, which has the caramelized onions, it has the bread, it has a little bit of the cheese on the outside and inside, um, and it just went crazy. Everybody just raves about it. So it's on our fall menu. It's on the menu during the colder months. Mm-hmm. It goes off in the summer. 
Um, the burger is really good, and it has a bourbon. You know, they make a bourbon, bourbon ketchup um, with it, and um, so they tried to make it like any great menu. They were thoughtful about it. Every dish ties back to why something about the re- about the distillery. Mm-hmm. You know, our job is to sell liquor, mm-hmm. um, but we've also want to create a destination where people want to drink that liquor and want to hang out here. So that's I hope that's what we've done. That they're not moving on. Yeah, else and it's okay. Snacks. You know, yeah. we don't. Well, the reason we have never really launched a full, you know, mm-hmm. sit down tablecloth entree dinner service is that we don't those are our customers mm-hmm. um, they're buying our liquor and serving it in their restaurants so we're not we don't we don't want to be competition mm-hmm. so our, we keep it to small plates mm-hmm. um, but we want to still make them really good and we have tons of people who come in they'll do appetizers and have drinks go to dinner and then come back for a drink after dinner so you'll see the same person in twice in one night which is really fun I have actually done that <laughs> so uh, it's funny you say that because we do like we do like to start here go somewhere for dinner and then either come back here or go to green lady. Yeah, <laughs> so that's the absolutely. pattern for yeah. my husband and I. So no, we, that we, works. that's great. I love it. And I appreciate the fact that you, that you like the food here and that we're, I mean, that's it's our, fantastic. Uh, yeah. that's great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And, and, but again, you know, it's, it's our, so the, the tasting room for us provides us some cash flow so mm-hmm. that we can age bourbon and work on long-term projects that we're doing. Um, but the real, um, the real, Scale will come from other uh, liquor stores and restaurants selling our stuff and bars and in other states. And, and right. so that drove a lot of our sort of expansion that we've been doing lately. Right. Um, and it's, you know, it's the reception has been has surprised me in other, in other markets because you've got, I mean, basically, if you have the right packaging, the right story and the right spirit in the bottle, it works. And, and mm-hmm. I knew we had that. But how do you convince other people about that? And, okay. and that seems to be working. So sure. it's exciting. It is exciting. And so speaking of expansion, how many states are you in right now? Uh, Twelve new states. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And and some of them we we, uh, we're in just in a small scale. So we're we're moving the Palm Restaurant, Palm Steakhouse, which is a, you know, white tablecloth, uh, a high end steakhouse around the country. There are they're in maybe I think they're in 15 or 16 states. and we're, um, they have agreed to bring us on on, the, on their back bar at all their locations. So we're, that's what's driving some of this. So we have a foothold in each one of these markets sure. where at least we know we have one active account there. Right, where you're already going to have to yeah. get any product there. So exactly. you can have an anchor. And, and some of those states were just in, honestly, to serve that restaurant. But, um, the, I mean, it, the, that won't be that way for long because mm-hmm. it's expanding yeah. outside those places. So it's fun. Yeah, that is very yeah. fun. Yeah, it's always good to see a Kansas City product go right, go national. So right, that's exciting. I love it. So, um, we we read that you were awarded the best craft vodka distillery award from USA Today. Yeah. So, can you tell us a little bit about how that all came about? How you how you found out about it? And yeah, we we got we just got an email from USA Today, and they said they had a um, a panel of vodka experts um, from. One was from St. Louis is how we think our name got on the list. Okay. And we were in the bar that that guy um, owns, and, or, is, or is the spirit food and beverage guy for. So he, um, I guess, put our name in. Um, and uh, we were in some good, great competition, including um, some local uh, uh, Restless was on there, too, which was incredible to have two from Kansas City on the same ballot. Um, and then they let everybody vote. 
Um, and we ended up getting the most votes for that. And, uh, and I mean, it was amazing. We were, at that point, only in Kansas and Missouri. So now that's a calling card to go in other places and say, look, you know, our vodka's a hard, it's very competitive. Vodka, there are a million vodkas, you know, and, and everybody is fighting to take down Tito's. <laughs> so, um, so we're excited to, to be, in, be in the marketplace with that. And it's a story to tell people. An additional, you know, we have awards, we have um, a story, and we have the, uh, the USA Today saying we're that, that good. So it's yeah. exciting. That's, that's exceptionally exciting, I we, think. Is, we were originally. Knowing that, knowing that, you know, it kind of just came, came randomly that you right. were even included in the grouping. And that, right. And that it wasn't it was something that we submitted blind, to. Blind yeah. taste testing experts and all of that. It's not, that's not even just that you guys, because you do have great PR and good presence online and all those other things. Yeah. It's a true just a win. Right, yeah. So it's yeah. awesome. <laughs> it was it was cool. It was it yeah. was neat to be to be in that to be included and, and to, to win it was great. So yeah. it's fun. Good. Are there any other awards you guys have? Yeah, so won? we we have several um, we submitted to some craft early on some craft awards, American Craft Spirits Awards and ADI American Distilling Institute. Um, <clears throat> and we won a couple of awards from them, gold medals from them for different spirits. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then uh, earlier this year, we were in Las Vegas at the at a wholesaler convention. Um, <clears throat> so and that we won a gold medal for both gins and the bourbon, um, and the uh, vodka won a gold at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. So some of them are consumers, some of them are industry. Yeah. Um, a guy came by our booth when we were at this one in Vegas, and he goes, "That is a really hard award to win." So awesome. you know, there's a lot of pay for play awards out there sure. that, that don't mean as much. But it's, when you get a couple of like that and you realize, okay, now we're actually making some progress here. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's good validation, too. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, you know, you can tell consumers about the San Francisco one. You can tell distributors mm-hmm. about the wholesaler one. It so, means different things to different exactly, audiences. Exactly. Precisely. Yeah. So you can target that, those awards. Yeah. <laughs> but we're real excited and, and the, the future looks bright for us. And we're, um, we really hope to be... Um, doing great here at the, at, at the distillery and make more glass for you guys to recycle. <laughs> we hope that too. <laughs> or reuse, right? <laughs> right. So um, we'll end with just a couple of fun questions. So can you tell us about what your most memorable drink was? Um, I used, My story used to be this, this um, bourbon apple cider drink that I had at, um, in Las Vegas, actually. Um, but the but my um, favorite now is one we have on the menu, we had on the menu. I think they just took it off. Of course, they took my favorite off. Um, no one listens to me here. <laughs> now um, it was, we like to keep the menu fresh and change it around. But it was called the Angry Goat, and it was a um, cocktail that had um, that had this incredible pepper. It had, it had a, uh, actually jalapeno slice in it, but it was really spicy and complex. But then it then it wasn't didn't burn your mouth up too. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. It was a great cocktail. So uh, JT. Um, our our uh, bar manager, um, he is a genius, and he has a tough job because he has to come up. He's got the same, you know, four or five spirits that he has to come up with a fresh menu every, you know, twice a year for. And so he's really a genius at working within those confines and making really cool stuff. And it has to also be able to be 
made quickly because of the amount of business that we have here. So uh, he's a genius in making up, making up those drinks. Nothing too labor intensive. Yeah, right. Like you're exactly. spending five, five right. minutes muddling something. You know? <laughs> right, right. So. It can't be. It, and that's just, I mean, there are plenty of places here that do in Kansas City of that course. do that and do it well. Um, we like to be great tasting cocktails that, mm-hmm. that you can get quickly in. Yeah, quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so. And that's, I will, I'll put a shameless plug in for your Sazerac. It's oh, yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad you like that. That's a great drink. Yeah. Um, I like perfect. our gin. Our gin, I think, is, is, it's my favorite of the things that we make. And I'll just drink it with, uh, with soda, honestly, and, and a little lime. And that's all it really needs. Mm-hmm. We have, so I mentioned Tim earlier, Tim Tui. Uh, he had a, a drink that he called uh, the Chef Special, and it was uh, two fingers of gin and an ice cube. That was his. That would, that would be a shift drink every night at the end of the night. Drink his chilled gin. That was it. <laughs> so if you come in, that's a little uh, not on the menu. You can come in and order a order Chef, the special, Chef Special, and they'll know exactly what it is. No. I do love gin, so I will do that for, just for fun, mostly. <laughs> right? Yeah. Straight gin like, isn't everybody's uh, thing, but it usually isn't mine. But that's, that's a really festive way to well, order it. So ours is a little different in that it is kind of a sipping gin too. Mm-hmm. For if you sure. if you're a gin fan, and it's not the juniper um, forward. Uh, heavy yeah, juniper, dry, London dry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little more complex. We get people in all the time who say, uh, I, I'm a bourbon fan, and I didn't think I liked gin until mm-hmm. I tried yours, which is really gratifying to hear people say well, stuff and like that. I will say that about myself, too, over the last two years uh-huh. between um, you all and Restless Spirits uh-huh. and their gin. Their gin's I've great. I've become a gin fan. Yeah, oh, good. But I'm not buying your typical gins off the shelf. I'll, I'll buy either of yours. Right, so, right. Yeah. Oh, yep. that's great yep. to hear. And they, they are, do like you're right, not, not as juniper forward and yeah. more balanced, in my, yeah. my opinion. So. I mean, there's plenty of outstanding London dries out there. Right. We just felt like we didn't have to make another one because sure. uh, it's already done. <laughs> right, right. There's definitely, yep, definitely space for what you're doing. Yeah, so, I'm good. good. I like hearing that. Yeah. Gotcha. So, um, we know that there's a few exciting events coming up, including the wrap party for Queer Eye. So, can you talk to us a little bit about that? You know, they are so great. nice. Yeah, um, yeah. They, they came in. They've had. They came in for a night early on. Mm-hmm. I think it was a night we weren't open, and we opened for a little party for them. And they were just extremely nice. And um, you know, they can't say enough good things about Kansas City, yeah, which sure. is kind of fun. Yeah, that's good. Um, and so, yeah, so they had their, their they're going to have their rap party here. And then it's, it's um, also a fundraiser for the Trevor Project, okay. uh, which is a, a, a charity that David has contacts with, uh, uh, out with the director out in New York City. Uh, so it's a great cause, and it'll be, it'll be good to have people in here. Kansas City has some incredibly interesting history, and I just love how Tomstown brings it back to life. We highly recommend picking up some Tomstown spirits for the holidays or stopping in to enjoy a drink at their distillery. You can find Tomstown's website in the show notes, so check it out and head to their location in the crossroads to take a step back in time and enjoy some great drinks. If you need help finding the show notes in Apple Podcasts, just swipe up from the player screen. Or you can always go to raiseyourglass.fireside.fm slash five for episode five, where you can find links and notes on our guests. This podcast is made possible by Ripple Glass, Kansas City's hometown glass recycler. If you live in Kansas City, you probably have seen one of our big purple bins around town. That's where you can drop off all of your glass bottles and jars so we can save them from the landfill and keep Kansas City beautiful. 
If you're already a glass recycler, thank you. You're awesome. If you haven't started recycling your glass yet, check out rippleglass.com, put in your zip code, and find all the bins closest to you. Next week, we'll be joined by Dave Hensley, founder of Bar K Dog Bar. We learned how they came up with the idea of Kansas City's only dog park with a modern bar, restaurant, and coffee house. We hope you're enjoying the podcast, and if you love Kansas City culture as much as we do, drop us a line at info at and tell us who we should spotlight in a future episode.